following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, um, we're back in um, Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, uh, verses 38 through 41, uh, page 845 in the Pew Bibles. I hope you have enjoyed being uh, put through the ringer uh, in the Gospel of Mark as much as I have. Uh, I really hope so, because we're not finished. (laughs) Um, Last week, we were with Jesus and his disciples in Capernaum, um, probably uh, in the house of Peter, um, dealing with the selfish ambitions of the apostles. Uh, and their willful ignorance of the plan of God that was playing out before them. And Jesus ended that passage that we looked at with the phrase, Whoever receives one such child as this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And the Apostle John pipes up. He says, Oh, speaking of doing things in your name, we look at Mark 9:38. Speaking of doing things in your name, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. And Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will soon afterward, uh, will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray. Father, as we gather around your word this morning, um, we pray that you would help us to understand the meaning of your word. We pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts, that our eyes would be open and our ears would be open. So we would see what you're doing and hear what you're saying. But more than that, that we would understand it and put it to use in our own lives. And we need your spirit's help to do that. So, Lord, we ask that you would do that work among us this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's happening here? Jesus and the disciples are here in Capernaum. And they're on their way to Jerusalem. Disciples don't know that because as we have firmly established, they're a bunch of idiots and have no idea what's going on. But Jesus knows exactly what's happening and he is steadily marching towards Jerusalem to the cross. Whether or not the disciples wanted to admit that or if they had any, uh, any, wanted anything to do with that plan at all, uh, they were on their way. And they've gathered in the house, maybe Peter's house. We don't know for certain, but it was in Capernaum. And Jesus has been instructing them. And to be honest, he has been exposing some pretty serious character flaws and misunderstanding on their part. We like that, don't we? That's been a lot of fun. Unfortunately for them and for us, Jesus is not finished with that word. So the disciples earlier had tried to stop a guy from casting out demons in the name of Jesus. 
Well, what do we know about this guy? Just some random guy. They tried to stop. Well, I think we can know a little bit about him uh, if we dig a little bit deeper. So where are Jesus and the disciples again? Capernaum. Have they ever been there before? Yes, a lot. Had Jesus preached and cast out demons around there before? Yes. Now here's the most important question. Had anyone else cast out Jesus uh, cast out demons in Jesus name anywhere around there before? Yes. No, maybe. It's yes. We have to go all the way back to Mark chapter 6. That's like a page and a half. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 through 13. And Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, When you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. That's three whole chapters ago, right? So what does this tell us? Well, I think it tells us that we can safely assume that this guy had come to faith in Jesus, either through the preaching of Jesus himself or the preaching of the disciples uh, on this mission trip, that he had witnessed the disciples casting out demons in Jesus' name. And so he was following their example by faith. That's what we can know about this fellow. Was this a good thing? Yes. Did the disciples see it that way? No, of course not. (laughs) So what was the problem? Why Why did they have a problem with this fellow casting out demons in Jesus' name? Verse 38, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Hmm. Not because he's not following you, Lord Jesus, but because he's not following us. Right. The disciples saw this guy's actions as unjustified because he wasn't following Jesus with them. He was just off on his own, not part of their group. He's not of us, right? He doesn't wear the our team colors, right? Doesn't say original 12, you know, <laughs> across his chest. Here's a guy who clearly has faith in Jesus Christ, who just didn't leave home to follow Jesus and the disciples. Maybe he lived in Capernaum or somewhere near there. He heard the gospel from Jesus or the disciples on their mission trip. He came to faith, but then he didn't leave. He just stayed home. He didn't drop everything and leave. He didn't leave his nets to follow Jesus and the disciples. He just stayed put. But he shared what was freely given to him with others. 
I don't know if you know this, but that's pretty important ministry. <clears throat> but instead of being celebrated for his faith and his work for the kingdom, he was vilified by the disciples. And they tried to make him stop. Well, what's important about that? They didn't ask Jesus first. Here we go again. Disciples, just they felt justified in trying to stop him because he's not part of their group. He, they thought he was unjustified in his actions because he wasn't one of them. I, I want to think the best of the disciples. You know, I want to say that they just thought that if you're doing work, if you're going to work for Jesus, then you have to leave everything like we did and to follow him. Right. You have to leave home in order to follow Jesus. Right? He didn't stay there. He kept going. Right. So come along. Well, it does make sense. Right. But there's a subtle. Uh, there's a subtle difference there. We do it right. You're do it wrong. Was he really do it wrong? No, but he wasn't doing it like they did. And that was a problem in their eyes. Given the context, and how, if you remember from last week, my ears are still ringing. I don't know about yours. You remember they'd just been exposed for their selfish ambition. It's hard to imagine that their motivation for stopping this guy from casting out demons in Jesus' name was anything other than a desire to keep the honor of doing that work for themselves. You don't get to cast out demons. You're not one of us. That's our work, not yours. They acted rashly. They didn't seek the Lord's word on the subject. And they stopped a man who was working for the Lord and for the Lord's kingdom. John says, Jesus, we try to stop a guy from casting out demons in your name because he wasn't one of us. Isn't that great? I mean, why else would he say it? Right? Not like looking. He's not. Uh, yeah, he's looking for approval. He, we, we found this guy, man. He's bad news, casting out demons in your name, but not, you know, not wearing our colors. He's not one of us. Jesus replies with a short three-point sermon, our favorite thing. He gives us three fours. <laughs> Jesus said, do not stop him. Do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will able soon afterward to speak evil, evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So here's Jesus' sermon. Don't stop him. What? Don't. No. Don't stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon after to speak evil of me, for the one who is not against us is for us. I guess that's a that's a two B. That's a second four in that one. The four fours, I guess. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So let's look at the three fours in three four time. Or six eight if you prefer the shuffle over the waltz. <laughs> 
The first four, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. So what do we know? This man had enough faith in Christ to cast out demons in his name. That's pretty significant. Okay, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a situation like that, but it's real. It's not imaginary. It didn't stop in the first century. It didn't stop when the canon closed. Demons still active, and they are still subject to the name of Jesus Christ. This man had enough faith in Christ to cast out demons. He couldn't possibly immediately turn around and dishonor the name of Christ. That's what Jesus is saying, right? Not just like saying the name of Jesus in one sentence and then, you know, blaspheming him in the next. We're talking about casting out demons, right? This is performing miracles, okay? This is that's pretty serious, big thing. This power wasn't a power that one could just buy and misuse uh, for your own gain, like Simon the Magician, remember, in Acts chapter 8, right? And he wasn't a false exorcist like the seven sons of Siva in Acts chapter 19. You can read those stories, lots of fun. They tried to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus that Paul preached. And the demon didn't leave. And instead, they got the tar beat out of them and ran away from that guy screaming, bleeding, and naked. Good times. Right? This man, unlike those men, had authentic, saving, powerful faith in Jesus and would not be able to perform a mighty work one minute in Jesus' name, and then turn around and blaspheme that same name. Okay? That's four number one. Four number two. The second four. For the one who is not against us is for us. Four, two, and two B. The one who is not against us is for us. This man is a reverer was a reverer of Jesus' name and a promoter of his cause. He was sincere in his faith and confidence. There's no reason to stop him. What's he doing wrong? Nothing. Just not following us. Do it our way. Hang out with our group. Paul wrote about this from a Roman prison in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, verse 12 through 18. Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now listen. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. This is the attitude the twelve should have had. Christ is being proclaimed. People are being set free from demonic oppression in Christ's name. Yes! Right? No! Not wearing that hat. You have to wear our hat. Got to be on our team. The disciples should have rejoiced. They should have done the same, but they didn't. 
All right, the third floor. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. This doesn't seem to fit in my mind. This Jesus seemed to be saying something different here because it just seems to be headed in a different direction. So it's confusing, I think. This is by no means a method for buying one's way into the kingdom. Rather, it's a subtle form of Christ worship. It's not, if you do good things for me, because I belong to Christ, good things are going to happen to you, right? It's not buying karma, right? You're not buying God's blessing. And unfortunately, in the history of the church, this has been used, again, out of selfish ambition and greed and idolatry. What I mean is the priests say, whatever you do for me, I belong to Christ. So do it for me and you'll be rewarded, you know, eventually while I live in your house or, you know, I'm riding your horse or whatever. Right. That's not what Jesus is saying here. That's that's not it at all. J.P. Lang wrote the respect and love, which is even outwardly shown you in the very slightest degree by men in the world for Christ's sake or in his name, proves that they stand in a certain spiritual connection with him, which under his blessing may increase and become more strict. The smallest token of friendship you receive as disciples of Christ is a token of friendship to your master, which is rewarded by him with the blessing of greater friendship. He's not talking about the people within the church doing nice things for other people within the church so they can be rewarded by the Lord. He's talking about people outside, right? You ever come into contact with someone who does something nice for you because you belong to the Lord or they refrain from doing something wicked because you're there? That's a gift, right? I have lots of friends that, well, yeah, they wash their tongue when I'm around. Oh, I was, sorry, sorry about that. That's a gift. Honestly, it's annoying sometimes. But they're not, they don't want to dishonor the Lord because you're there in their midst, right? And that is a gift and will, may be used by God to grow their friendship with the Lord. Do you understand that? Right? It's not just, I'm not going to speak evil while you're around. Might eventually get in the habit because you don't want to dishonor the Lord no matter who's around. It's not it's, um, not necessarily guaranteed, but it certainly is a blessing, I think, when it happens. The disciples have been paid a great compliment, I think, by being imitated in their work for the kingdom by this man. But rather than accept imitation as the sincerest form of flattery, they took it as a slight against their imagined authority. Casting out demons is our word, Buster, not yours. So here's the problem with all of this. It's really easy, I think, to point out all the flaws and foibles of the disciples. They do not make this work hard. <laughs> it's very easy. 
But the problem is, they're a mirror of our own hearts. Matthew Henry wrote, Thus we are apt to imagine that those do not follow Christ at all who do not follow him with us. And, those, and that those do nothing well who do not do just as we do. But the Lord knows them that are his, however they are dispersed. And this instance gives us needful caution to take heed lest we be carried by an excess of zeal for the unity of the church and for that which we are sure is right and good to oppose that which yet may tend to the enlargement of the church and the advancements of its true interests in another way. What's that mean? Not everybody's like us. Not everybody's like them. Unity in the church is a wonderful thing. But unity is not the same as unanimity. And it's not the same as uniformity. Unanimity is that everybody agrees on every single thing. Right? I bet we couldn't find many things where we are unanimous in our agreements on, other than Jesus is Lord, right? Uniformity is not the same as unity, where everybody is exactly the same. You don't just think the same, but you are the same. You act the same. You dress the same. You talk the same. I don't do it. (laughs) I don't recommend it, right? We are not all the same, nor do we always agree, but we can certainly unite under Jesus as Lord. He is the unifying factor. My assumption, safe or not, is that you all are gathered here in this place with these people because you like it here. That it suits you and it feels right or feels like home. And that's fine. That's good. That's wonderful. That's how I feel. That's why I'm still here. (laughs) Right? What that doesn't mean is that doesn't mean that those who gather across town for the same reasons, that feel the same way about where they are or who they're with, are wrong. So, So long as they are gathered in Jesus' name. That's where the unity is found. I wish the churches would work together. Well, just because we don't hold hands and sing Kumbaya with every single Christian in town does not mean we are not working together so long as we are working for the gospel. So long as we are proclaiming salvation in Jesus' name. Because it's his name where the power is. Not in our charisma, not in our, uh, you know, fancy dress, right? Right? None of that. None of that stuff. It's not the color of the carpets or the padding in the pews or chairs versus pews, right? It's got nothing to do with it. It's Jesus' name. It's where the power is. There are things that we like, things that we don't like, things that we do that we like or that you're here because we like that we do them that way, whatever. The power is in Jesus' name. We must be careful to avoid the trap that the disciples had fallen into. The trap of narrow exclusivism. 
They are the only ones who got it right. Everybody else is wrong. They vilified everybody but themselves. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. We are in competition with them, and we want to win. Jesus Church is a vast expanse of people who love him and follow him and follow his word that just might look or sound or smell a little different than us. Things are a little different than the way we do it. We must still measure everything by God's word. That's what matters. Don't get trapped in thinking that our interpretation of how it all works is the only right interpretation just because we like it more than their interpretation or suits us better. Because whoever is not against us is for us. And who are we for? We're for Jesus. It's his name that makes the difference. It's following him that makes the difference. Okay? We're all swimming in the same stream as long as that stream brings glory to his name and brings people to faith in him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, your name is powerful. So many mighty things have been done in your name. But none mightier than bringing the dead back to life. And that's what we were, spiritually dead. The power of your name reached across the void and brought us to life through faith in your son, Jesus. I pray that that would be the name that we proclaim. And that would be the unifying factor. Not all these trivial side things. But we would unite under your name. Preaching salvation in Jesus' name. Not in being good. Not in being nice. Not in following the rules. But following the Son. The Savior. We love you, Lord. Help us to love those who love you, too to not see them as enemies or competition, but that we're all working together under the banner of Jesus Christ. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire. 03890